HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. I'm HRN Communications Director Kat Johnson with a preview of this week's episode of Meat in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup. This week, we're focusing on water. You'll hear some disturbing news from an NYC investigative reporter. Here lies the problem, how much we don't know about water tanks. Katie Kiefer reports on water woes in the heartland. Their water is heavily polluted with nitrates, which are coming from agricultural chemical applications on fields and running off into their water table. And we'll check in with Dave Arnold, who's about to open a new bar that will serve some pretty fancy H2O. It is hardcore. So pour up a tall glass of ice water and be refreshed by this week's episode of Meat in 3, available on heritageradionetwork.org, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Christmas. <laughs> it's Christmas and summer. I feel like Crazy Eddie. It's, it's always Christmas here. <laughs> always Christmas. All right. Arts and Seizures back. Mike get us in oh, the air man. with everybody's favorite pizza, Pizza Rumba. That's oh, good to be today, back. Pete, a very, very special who special is guest. Well, who, who, who Julia is? Crow, who is not only a distinguished author, uh, but she's also the first classical Musician that classically ever trained. Had. I've been I've been trying so hard. I don't recognize her from the conservatory. It was not a not a rock <laughs> bum like we are. Uh-oh. They get on the show, and it's taken me 242 episodes to get someone on here who it's didn't cr- who didn't crawl out of the garage, who's not somehow <laughs> aligned, you know, with, with the swamp from which we emerged. Let's hear it for Julia Crow, her new book, her almost new book. I think the audience is gonna. You know what? I was gonna say this. The, today's live audience. To me, seemed at the at the very verge of violence. 
And <laughs> well, that's because they're classical, and, and these rock yeah. nerds that listen to our show just, just reject this sort of thing. Julia's no, almost new book is called My First Guitar. Um, and What's it about? Well, it's tales of true love yeah, and lost chords. Um, it is absolutely... Uh, uh, well, let the thing speak for itself. Ipso re, uh, ipso guitar, facto, as they say. Um, but it tales of my first guitar, featuring Jimmy Page. You've heard of him. Um, Les Paul, Joe Satriani, Melissa Etheridge. These are just the names on the cover. Pat Metheny, Scotty Moore, my very favorite, because yeah. I think every great guitar song ever any, recorded Dim- was D- done Dimiolo by Scotty Moore first. Um, is Al Demiolo in there? No. Good. Yeah, seriously. Uh, nor is Eric Clapton. Okay, good, too. Yeah. By the way, see if you can find that Eric Clapton racist rant, Matt, while we're talking, just so we can embarrass him further, because apparently his pub- publicist won't let you through the gate, right, Julie? You've, you've conducted interviews with some of the very best guitar players in the world. They're all wonderful. It's a lovely story. My first guitar. Who wouldn't want to tell it? Yeah. Except Eric Clapton. Clapton. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Well, tell, um, you ever see his? He has a compound in Antigua, in the island. I saw it from like a mountaintop. You could look oh. down, and it's like it's like a, the the Bond villain's lair. It's on <laughs> it's on this promontory, sticking out into the ocean. It's probably like filled with sharks or something, with a huge wall. And it's like, really, it's like a Bond villain. Lair well, you should go there and, and do the interview there. Yeah. But uh, tell yeah. tell us about your book, which I've really really been enjoying because my first guitar oh, is is it's a universal story. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, it was crazy. I went down to uh, Baltimore for a guitar festival um, where I did a great number of the interviews, actually, because everybody was converged who played different things. Like John Hammond was there. Andy Summers was there. Uh, but I didn't know anybody, and I wasn't, uh, at the time, a music journalist. And, I mean, I kind of knew. I did one piece for Classical Guitar Magazine in the U.K., so my, my column started there, uh, which was sort of the Yankee Doodle Fox trot right before the, uh, the obituary. You got that, Ms. Rumba? <laughs> a classical music story for a U.K. magazine. This is class, yeah. okay? We're adding some class I, and distinction to the show. I'm trying to Eliza yeah. Doolittle you up I, a little I, bit, I, okay? Yeah, I'm, which the column was... I, be, I better have more tequila. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you too, actually. Yeah, but the funny have thing a poll, is, quick, you, a oh. quick one. <laughs> I can't. I'll be on the floor. Seriously. Uh, Bill, uh, well, um, one shot of that stuff. You're on the under on the floor. <laughs> two, you're under the table. Three, you're under the host. What's the Dorothy Parker line? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, that's a funny thing. When I would go to these festivals, people would expect somebody who was British, and then they would say to me, "You have the most amazing American accent." <laughs> For uh, a lady from London, which I'm not. But um, I went to a, a festival in the UK uh, also, and uh, well, I guess I'm jumping ahead of things, but yeah, no, I didn't know anybody when I went to interview with this book, and I stood in line uh, at the cafeteria behind Andy Summers, and I, I saw what he was putting on his plate. But how do I break the ice, right? Um, I looked at what he had on his plate, and I was like, ah. Oh, you're on the blood type diet. <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm not. He was very offended. And I was like, oh, neg. And he's like, yeah, I'm oh, neg, but I'm not on any diet. <laughs> so well, that's how we met. So He seems like a lovely chap. I'm offended by his bass player, his former bass player, singer, though. I, 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 I'm not revealing anymore. We toured with them. Uh, oh, uh, you toured with the police? Of course, several of course. times. Of course several you times. did. Our, our, nickname, our nickname for Andy was Granny. Oh. That and that and a few <laughs> other things ensured that we never toured with them again. But uh, were you guys label mates? Were they IRS? Yeah, yes, we oh. were. And, and we shared uh, booking agents and uh, almost managers. And then what happened to them? How'd their career go? I don't know. I know what happened <laughs> to them. Well, I've, re- I've really been enjoy- enjoying the book, and I like. Um, I mean, Jimmy Page was sort of. Uh, 
you know, the holy grail of this whole thing, but it, it, it turned out to be a lovely fellow and very accommodating. After yeah, he was. I mean, everybody terrified me. Oh, he's going to be like this. He's going to be like that. And I, I just tried to turn it all off and go and, and it was intrigue anyway. What was going his to first see him. guitar? It was a mysterious thing that he found in a closet that appeared and then disappeared just he moved in a house and someone <laughs> left it behind. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 it wasn't that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then it sprouted wings and flew yeah. flew around the neighborhood. Um, my first guitar, this, you, you know, you neglected to interview me, Julia, for this book. Maybe what was your maybe first volume guitar, Mike? Well, yeah. it's, it's a 1959 Down Electro. It was not bought oh. in 1959. It was bought in 1982 or three. I started playing the drums and didn't get to the guitar until I got to college um, no one wanted these things at the time yeah. it's a beautiful copper 59 U2 uh, with the concentric knobs it was $130 at We Buy Guitars oh. which is one of the great places on 48th Street which is now like a fucking ghost town up there it's sad it is yeah and uh, I still have it of course and it twangs more than my Telecasters now I own like 35 guitars you're kidding me and, and Pete you know how many guitars should a man have I don't know how many guitars <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> never, <laughs> never gonna have enough <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like shoes right too much, right. Too, too, too much is wonderful yeah <laughs> that's great and you Julie what's your first guitar um oh that's crazy well I grew up in a rooming house in Chicago so my grandmother had a really tough reputation about who she would rent to and word must have gotten out because uh she interviewed one guy who came in and the whole thing, you know, just to back up, my grandmother wanted to play music, but I don't think she ever did. But the emblem of this was a baby grand player piano that was in the, the living room. And if she liked somebody she was interviewing for a room, she would pop in a role and um, you knew that they were going to get the room. But I, I kind of had my own criteria. I'd crawl under the piano and push the key pins from underneath and make it look like ghost hands were playing the keyboard. And if they couldn't see a kid was under the, the piano doing this, I figured they're they're, yeah, don't give him a room. But <laughs> <laughs> so this guy came in, and I think he must have cased out the place and seen me playing, you know, jump rope or something outside. And and because he saw me under there, and he said, you know, I've got something for you. And he pointed to this big black suitcase he had on the floor, and he unzipped it, and it was a pawn shop guitar. It was a way for him to, well, he did get a room into the place. But it wasn't long afterwards that. Um, he set his room on fire. I guess he had a popcorn popper sock, you know, flung over it. It ignited, and uh, I was the one who who uh, smelled it, and I got everybody out. My room was, like, on a back landing, and so I could smell the smoke coming up from the basement. And at a boarding house in Chicago. At a boarding house in Chicago. Did he lose that? Did, was he uh, remained a tenant, or did he... Uh, he, did, he never came back, because I think he was terrified. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but I took the guitar. Good. That's the what I grabbed, well, and I got out. But it was a crappy little, like, rainbow-striped wooden guitar, bad warped neck, grimy strings. But I didn't know it, you know, at the time. That was my guitar. Yeah, my house is on fire, and what, what I'm grabbing in order, like, uh, the cat... <laughs> <laughs> the cat, the computer, and then probably... Tell, the tell Christine. That, and the yeah. 73. Well, I assume she's going to be helping me grab things. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My soulmate. I, I hope she's going to be uh. you know, grabbing things with me. The, the, cat's a, the cat's a little bit tough, but the 73 Telecaster don't move on its own. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, honey, get the guitars! Uh, <laughs> well, I'll yeah. quickly uh, jump in. I, I had decided several times I would. it was too late for me to learn to play guitar. Mm. That's when I was about 13 and then 14. Finally, I said... They had guitars then? Yeah, they had guitars. And I was listening to <laughs> rock and roll. And uh, finally, in like 1969, I said, okay, I got to get a guitar. 
A guy was going to teach me. And I'm sorry, 1969. Sorry, go ahead. I know, bad time, bad, bad year for anything. So I, I, I got a... Uh, Summer of Love's Over. A guy in Maspeth sold me his uh, early 1965 uh, Fender Mustang because at that point, everyone said, oh, nobody would play a Mustang. That's a... They said it was a trainer guitarist. I forget what they called it. Mm-hmm. So I bought it for 65 bucks, but the guy had tried to refinish it with shellac. <laughs> so we, I took it apart, and me and Brian Spath, at this early uh, age, spent ter- turns sanding it. Mm-hmm. Finally, we got bored with that, and we were smoking pot. So it sat in a box in, uh, in Flushing in my parents' uh, porch. For several years, about five years, it sat there until the flesh tones formed. In 1976, Keith Strang was playing a cheap Japanese plastic electric guitar that he found in his basement and needed a real guitar, as he put it. I reassembled the Mustang, gave it to Keith Strang, and it became his famous guitar, pictured on many album covers and in many films and movies, until it was stolen at what airport? Barajas. Barajas. All right. Uh, like one of my favorite yeah, airports in, in the, Madrid. Yeah, in like, uh, in, in I think, early, uh, mid-90s. But that was his guitar. Oh. That was Keith Strength. That, uh, and a Mustang's a pitching guitar. It's a pitching guitar. But in those days, it was like, oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I, I think Mike Maracondo <laughs> from the Ronchans played one early on. Cool. You know, by the way, he was at the day I bought that guitar. I just had this idea I should start playing guitar. I've been playing the drums since I was a little kid. It's never too late is the message here. I didn't right. start playing piano until exactly. I was like 40 years old which some people may or may not consider a mistake if you've heard me play the piano. But, um, I, you know, I, I got all the way to college, but that's ah, too late if you didn't start playing when you were in high school or sure. young. But I had this crazy idea to start a band and I needed to write some songs. And I think he, I think he actually loaned me the $20 to leave with the guy at We Buy Guitars while I went downtown and tried to, like, figure out where to get the other $110. Um, but this yeah. is good. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and now your son is a bitching guitar player. Much he, he, oh, wow. he is an amazing guitar player. <laughs> yeah, he shreds. No, none, no thanks to me. Yeah, he shreds, and not only that, you know, it's like I walk in the house and he's playing like Spanish classical guitar. Oh, great! <laughs> and I and I said, where do you in learn the Metallica style? Oh, okay. And I said, well, well, I great. said, Sergey, where, where do you learn that? He goes, oh. He goes, I'm just reading it. And he's like, <laughs> he's like reading it. He's like, what? Where do you learn to read music? You know? yeah, how dare you? Right. You're making the rest of us look bad. Right. He's, like, he's like, and he's sight reading and playing wow. Spanish guitar. I said, like, what? <laughs> like our friend Simon Chartier, yeah. uh, who uh, right. <laughs> I walk into uh, when he used to work the desk at Coyote Studios, and he's playing Bach, and I'm looking at what he's reading. He's playing it on a six-string guitar, but it's written for a lute, which has, uh, I don't even know how many strings, four, I think. Uh, There's I'm, different choruses. But, he does, but he's just sort of like simultaneously transposing the keys and for this like you know this thing written on parchment with a, you know. <laughs> you know and Quill's like, yikes. But in secretly, though, as you know, Simon would much rather play, well, he likes to play Dick Dale and Johnny Thunder <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, I liked um, you know, your comment on his last record. Another shout out to our friend Simon. Just that it's a complete punk rock record that has no. It sounds like 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 minor threat and doesn't call attention to the fact that you can play like Django Reinhardt anytime he feels like it. Oh. It's which is uh, that's nice. He's a great guy. Yeah. I hope he's surfing. Right yeah, I, I I guarantee you he is. Julie, you've got a guitar piece prepared for us today and a story behind it. I, I understand. do. This is like Johnny Carson. It's like me. Pl- yeah. Let's go to the clip. You have a clip. You want to set it up? <laughs> I feel like Ed. <laughs> you, look, you look like Ed. <laughs> I'm starting to look like Ed. Yeah. Yeah, this is Bats and Umbrellas. Uh, one of the festivals I went to in the UK uh, was at West Dean, which is in Chichester, which uh, I think Keith Richards might, you know, live around. I tried to interview him for the book, and actually his manager said to me. 
I think she was really worried it was going to be a technical book where I would the famous go off Jen. on. Yes, exactly. She said to me, "Honey, Keith, Keith knows. Well, he can play guitars. He just doesn't know shit about them." So I mean, it was a T-shirt worthy. <laughs> Therein is but, a good story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this this one it turned out that West Dean was uh, the 16th century estate that. Um, uh, Yes. I guess the last, do- <laughs> the last donor <laughs> is Edward James. passing around a bottle of tequila and yeah. we're laughing. <laughs> what about Westine? Yeah, um, this guy, Edward James, back uh, in the 1920s, he was the patron who brought in a lot of painters like Dolly and Magritte, Man Ray, uh, a whole bunch of people. He just, some of my favorite over, guys. Do your work here, yeah. Pete thinks I'm square because I like modern art. Uh, he thinks yeah, it's very old-fashioned. Sure old-fashioned. My love for modern art. <laughs> it's, things have changed in the last 120 years, Mike. Yeah, well, this place is massive and crazy, and as soon as I found out the history of it, I was enthralled. Um, I guess James had this dancer wife who was from New York, and there's a staircase that she went up uh, after she left the bath, just went up without a towel, left her little damp footprints going up the uh, staircase, and he was so in love with her that he uh, had the carpet ripped out of the staircase and rewoven to have her damp footprints in there, but then at one point everything fell apart. He found out that uh, she was cheating on him. With so the gardener, I, I would hope. I don't know who it was, but he ripped out the carpet and had his dog's footprints put in. Oh, <laughs> see that? So, the problems see, of the upper class. But you yeah. laugh like an American, so yeah, how do you put over, you know, <laughs> I know, this I don't. lovely British lady, classical <laughs> reporter. It's only in print. <laughs> <laughs> well, laughing in print is the hardest thing to do. It is. But uh, let's hear it for Julia Crow, and uh, what's this called again? This is Bats and Umbrellas, because I walked into the foyer of this place it was raining, and I went for my umbrella that I thought I left behind. Um, it turned out to be a bat that flew off in the hallway. So, a bat? Yeah, and it joined another bat. So these Not, are, It wasn't a cricket bat. It was like a it bat. It was a big-ass black bat, <laughs> you big know? Ass black bat. <laughs> Two of them, so you'll hear them swooping.
Julia Crow. Julia Crow, author of My First Guitar, a, t- a story that must be told. I uh, whoa, what happened to the audience? Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I think you've soothed them. They were very surly, and I, as I said, on the verge of violence. That is the kind of music that soothes the savage beasts, as, does, well, as, kind of, as well as the kind of stuff that you and I play. That, that, well, the stuff that we play incites them. <laughs> I, I love that in the Jimmy Page story in the book. He says, "Well, at the time, uh, skiffle and rock and roll were still tolerated by the authorities <laughs> for that brief moment yeah. until they realized. Because you know, when you, it's, it's easy to laugh when you hear these things that rock and roll." has got to go and people were worried yeah. that rock and roll on the radio was going to incite teenagers to sex and, and drinking and drugs and lives of promiscuity and of course it did well of course, of course that's it what it was for that's, why, that's, that's, why, it's so that's what it was that's for that's why it's awesome I, that's why I laugh at these at these old movies where the kids <laughs> prove that rock and roll is alright and, and they're saying no it's not it's not about sex and violence yes it was <laughs> that's why I liked it <laughs> of course it made me want to burn down the high school right, and, right, um, right. It, Run down the street at night, tipping over garbage cans and screaming. Of course. Of course it did. Well, you better believe it. Well, the first song I learned on the electric, the reason why I bought the guitar was... Why did you bring that guitar? Since you can't... Oh, yes, you can play. I mean, I, I really wanted to learn how to play rumble. I was like... Oh. You know, I don't... You know... I mean, this is not when I was 14, you know, it was just not being precocious. So I was 18, it was time to get a guitar, it's very, you know, <laughs> very... Rumble, um, yeah. Yeah, it's very vertically integrated into the... The only instrumental that's ever been banned, you know, because oh. it, was, it was considered too menacing. It, it, <laughs> that was menacing. And I like what Link said about it. He said, well, you know, I really couldn't play the guitar, so I had to do the most of what I knew how to do, which was put the emotion into it. Anyway, I thought uh, I was watching the 68 Comeback special, Elvis, recently, and Elvis was such a good guitar player. He was great. He's a wonderful guitar player, and people forget these guys who play guitar that you don't think of as guitar players. You know who's a great guitar player? Bob Dylan. I love it when Bob plays guitar. You know, he's got like these two like complete, you know, gunslingers to his left and his right, and he is a bitching guitar player. I'd rather listen to Bob play than his gunslingers. And Bruce Springsteen, too. Yes, yes, yes. He's he's got these two guys on either side of him who who are like really like... You know, top fuel drums. One of which is my boss. You know, but, but then but Bruce busts it out. It's pure garage rock. It's more of the, you know, Keith Richards, you know, yeah. style. And, it, and, it's, and it's entirely awesome. It's like, Bruce, you know, if you're listening. Yeah, Bruce, if you're listening. Play more guitar. No, when Bruce plays, it's kind of like, watch over, move over and watch a big dog eat. <laughs> That's very lovely, Nils. Thank you, Stephen. Now. That's right. Watch and learn. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. All right. I think it's time we should do we should do a song. We had a couple of things. Us? Here. We got we got to bring this. Down. We got to play something our, our audience well, would pass understand. Pass me that. Bob. After that lovely. Here's the, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's enough in there for all three of. Oh, 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 oh! I can't reach. Julia, help me the My back. Oh dear, Julia, come on, loosen up. I can't. We're having fun here. He's got pizza rumba through his back out, reaching. There you go. I put my. There you go. There you go. I didn't say kill it. I just said have a sip. Your UK classical music magazine need not know about. Right. The fact that they're in the US. They think you're secretly a pirate. I love the line in your book when you go over to the UK and say, "Hey, can I review something over here?" You know, you're looking for just like you know a normal freelancer. You're hustling, right? Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. And what does he say? He goes, "You don't bring Colt." Castles, That's right? right. <laughs> I love why, that. why do you think we have you working in New York? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how it went. Julia took right. a very ladylike sip. Mike, kill it. <laughs> it was the best. Kill you it, Mike. Me not to Mike. Take all Before of it. I throw my back out. Oh, come on, Julia. Help me oh, out here. Sorry, come on, you bunch of pirates here. All righty. That was the best gig I ever had. Was writing classical music for the uh, oh, yeah. for the for the New York New Press, York. Yeah. and they put on the cover. It says Mike Edison recommends go to mostly Mozart and get stoned, and oh. that's my name on top of it. And I was so proud of it. And they loved and they loved it. 
Because because the message being that like you know I mean how do you attract young people to classical music? It's a tough thing. And I said, you know huh. what, you know what, you like your teenage angst, you like your Brian Wilson. It's a very short leap between Pet Sounds and you know and, and Mozart. Yeah. And maybe maybe the difference is, is like one jazz cigarette. That's why maybe that's the leap you need to make. And or if uh, you know if Metallica is more your thing, then I, then I suggest you go see like you know one of the later Beethoven symphonies instead of front because that'll certainly <laughs> blow your skirt up. And that no will. one had ever actually written about classical music in terms of Motorhead, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and they loved it, you know. It hard to sell it. It doesn't help that the people over there. I mean, it's, it is kind of like going to the Natural History Museum, unfortunately. <laughs> and that and that brings us to Eddie Cochran. No, bring us to no, bring us to Elvis. So Eddie Cochran. You want to do Eddie Cochran? Well, yeah, but we, you know, Eddie is so important with guitars. I, I got to say, Cochran. you like you were saying how important he was in Britain. I mean, he had hits here, but in Britain, he was an idol. Yeah. And not only that, yeah. the, I think the the key thing that Eddie did by impressing all these Brits was that he made the idea of the guitar-oriented band or presentation really preeminent in British rock and roll. And that gave rise to the Beatles, the Stones, everybody. You know who loved... Eddie Cochran the most, Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin loved Because they did that the, um, medley at the end of their shows of Come On Everybody and um, Something Else, I think. Something Else. Right? L- later made famous by Sid Vicious, of right. course. I'm sure that... I'm sure that <laughs> Popularized I'm sure by that, Sid Vicious. I'm sure that Jimmy, along with <laughs> Keith Richards and John Lennon and Paul McCartney, all of them went to see Eddie's famous uh, tour of Britain in 1960 uh, with him and, uh, him and Gene Vincent in the Blue Caps and uh, Tone, uh, uh, Sheridan was in there, the British guy. Footnote. Footnote, footnote to the Beatles. Footnote. But uh, anyway, which I, if I remember the date correctly, oh, April footnote. 17th, 1960, ended tragically where they were trying to get to uh, like the fourth stop uh, you know, on, this, on this tour in the, in the day. You know, they're they, they packaged tours, you know, and they, uh, uh, Eddie was killed in Britain. Never to be forgotten in Britain. Anyway. Well, I was trying to tie this into your, your Led Zeppelin story, but... Uh, we'll, we'll tie it in, baby. There it is. Well, you tell, you tell, you tell the story. It's your story. It's, oh, a, okay. it's a day you were running numbers for Peter Grant. I was... I was right, actually, <laughs> I had heard all sorts of horrible stories about their manager, Eddie Grant, a big guy, a big threatening man. And I was standing in my, uh, my boss's... Uh, my first job with uh, Ron Delsner, a rock impresario mm-hmm. in New York, standing there, and he cuts a check and he goes... Well, actually, he told me to go to the bank in New York and pick up a cashier's check. That's what I had to do. And then he goes, go to the Plaza Hotel and give this, uh, go to this floor and, and hand this check. I think it wasn't for point zero zero nine. Well, I, you know, it was, <laughs> he said, hand this to a, a big guy named Mr. Peter Grant. I go up on the elevator, the, the elevator doors open, and standing right there is a hulking, huge guy with a beard and a ponytail. And it was Peter Grant. And behind him, lolling about in the, in the corridor of this floor uh, of the hotel, were various members of uh, Led Zeppelin. Lolling. I, I, lolling. They were lolling about. And I handed, I said, uh, Mr. Grant. John Bonham does not loll. They were lolling. <laughs> I handed uh, Peter Grant this envelope. He tore it open. He took a look at the check, a huge... It, I, was, I, was, he, I was expecting the worst because I was told he's horrible. A huge smile went across oh. his lips, and then he 
gently patted me on the shoulder. <laughs> Wait, but it wasn't a giant novelty check. No, it was, which, a, <laughs> it was a cashier's check from the Bank of New York for a pile of money. So anyway, right. so I got I paid Led Zeppelin for their uh, shows at the whatever it was. You should have clipped a, you should have clipped a piece of that for yourself. I, I should have. I should have said, hey, what about me? Yeah. All right. As always, it's been the fastest 30 minutes on the radio today. Let's hear it for our guest, Julia Crow, whose almost new book, My First Guitar, is truly fantastic. What's and she's also a uh, great guitar player, and you have many CDs out. And we I can... do. I'm higher of light and smoke and steel. And, we, and where can we find you on the interwebs? Yeah, absolutely. JuliaCrow.com. All right. And I'm wishing, wishing you good luck with Eric Clapton, but not really. <laughs> right. You've got to get over the wall of this <laughs> All right. Uh, this uh, Sean Connery Connery might help you. Well, she gets up in the morning with the whistles in her head. Ready for school before class begins. Oh, little Lou, can I walk to school here? You know the bells are ringing. If we are late, what shall we do? Well, teachers in the class and lessons where we've been late. I said, we're just lagging. Oh, little Lou, uh -huh. why did you make me hesitate? Just will say There's no excuse for being late Come on, take a little, take a little Woo! Someplace crazy. Take us to heaven. Take us. Play us out. Play us on this stage. Let's ride that bat out of hell. Ooh, that's a good name for a song. I'm ready for some pizza. Have ready for some pizza. Ready pizza Rambo, always ready for some pizza. All right, Julia Crow, everybody. Pizza Rambo, Mike Madison, Countdown, 250 Arts and Seizures. See you next week.
Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.